Today on the ZabeCast, the Capital Golf Gang is back together. I've got a 10-minute preview of Sunday's full show. And if you hate golf, well, then you can skip it. Then I've got charged for 40 minutes on two topics alone, Whiskey Weekend and the miniseries Chernobyl. If you hate those, then guess what? You got today off. All that plus Twitter is trying to steal Instagram's best play. Your bonus, nearly hour of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Thursday, March 5th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Huge show today, so let me get right to it. As I said in the tease, if you hate golf, no problem. Skip ahead. If you like golf, I think you'll like this segment to start. And if you are golf curious, you might still find it somewhat interesting. Capital Golf Gang, myself, Ron Thomas, John Ronis, John Gould back together. We were at Golfdom on Wednesday taping for Sunday's full show, which will air on the Team 980 in D.C., And we talked about Patrick Reed and cheating in golf. And here was how the discussion went. The scarlet letter C in golf for cheater. We have not convened the nerd council since the Patrick Reed incident in the Bahamas. I'll start with you, Ron. You play the most competitive golf still of anybody. What were your thoughts? My thoughts were that he was cheating. And uh, it was that simple, and there was brazenly no, so. Yeah, there was no way to, uh, you know, there was no rebuttal that could have come from him or anybody. Uh, he cheated. But did how did you feel as a player? Were you shocked because it was brazen cheating? Like I didn't think much of it at the time, but when I looked at the highlights recently, I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? Yeah, my immediate thought was, this guy's a cheater. We've heard he's a cheater, but my immediate concern was that. The tour is going to get a bad rap because of this, and we'll talk about this later. But this is one dude, you know. This is one guy. Right, I well, knew it was. I knew it was going to become a huge deal. Okay, Ronis, what did you think? Well, the first thing I thought it was is a shame. It's a shame for the PGA Tour, and it's a shame for Patrick Reed, who, you know, he won the Masters, and he's trying to get over a lot of these uh, stereo, not stereotype stigma that was put on him in his college days, which now I think we're just starting to learn that they're all true. Oh, yeah, and, we have and no then some. way of fighting him. So, you know, he continues to be that bad guy. He continues to um, put a blemish on the PGA Tour because he's continuing to play good and win. So it's really the story's not going away, which is a shame of it. Was he cheating? You know, let's face it. It looked like it to me, and we do have to take people at their word, but um, it did appear that it was cheating to me, and I, I just think it's it's a shame for a great player to have to go – to those uh, ends. Cheating versus rules violations are a different thing altogether. I want to get into that in a second, but John Gould, you, you, you are a rules official at the highest level in this game. Tell me what you thought about that, because normally you are interpreting situations in which there was no intent, but it might be a violation. Right, So, and you got exactly to where I was going to go. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to improve intent. So usually when I see that, I just see penalty right so it's right. i'm not worried about cheating or and not because i'm not getting intent what happened if, if he if he scraped the uh grains of sand away that's a violation and he's going to get penalized for it and i actually am usually 
pretty understanding of all that stuff with our players, which may be a surprise to you all, that most of the time it's either ignorance or, you know, I didn't even realize it. And I kind of get that. They're in their own way. But, but Patrick him, Reed has, has caused me to, because of all the previous incidents, all his priors, uh, everything that is part of who he brings to the table, I see cheating. And yeah, the other stuff coming out with Costas and other people talking that they've oh, yeah. seen him do this numerous times. He didn't say anyone else that he's seen this do numerous times. So right. they're going after Patrick Reed. And, and it seems to me that he is probably a compulsive take advantage of the opportunity cheater. Oh, well, and not only that, he's obviously the world is against him in his mind. And if you look at the if you read about um, him and you're, most things are going to be negative, but. I think this is a guy who's basically saying, "Don't care. I don't care. You guys don't like you. People don't like me he, anyway. I'm gonna try and get full one, dark side, right? Try and get one over on yeah. you. He's the heel. and he doesn't care at this point. He's gone fully rogue. Yes, is it? And he's good? in denial. It feels like it. Is it good for the tour though to almost actively run interference for him because they went out of their way to say it was a rules violation. He accepted responsibility, and we're moving on. They have to do that. We know Why? they have to Why do, do that. Why do they have to do Why that? Why do they have to do that? Uh, well, because he he's a member of the tour, and right. they need to cover the tours. Or, you know. No, they don't. That's, well, that's bullcrap. That's everyone's, the time we live in. Everyone sees through it, Ron. I think it's backfiring on the PGA Tour. Ronis, you backing me up on this? Absolutely. What, what the tour should have done is suspend him. Because it you know, wasn't a rules violation based on, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. It was cheating, you, which is you, different than a violation. Totally. And you, you know can't my, prove it. You can't prove intent. Uh, you know what? Uh, Go ahead, you're, you're right. Yeah. You can't prove it. You know my. You can't prove your mom loves you either. You have to believe it in your heart. Yeah. yeah. My you, mom loves you, me. You know, uh, I talked to her last I, week. Yeah, she's, some she's on the fence right, right I talked now, to your Ronnie. wife last night. Oh, <laughs> I thought this was a Sunday morning golf <laughs> Rodney and jumped house. up in a hurry, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, that escalated. I think, All right. You know my formula of ability minus distractions equals performance. Yes. You don't run this interference to give him less distractions. You let the distractions build, and that will affect his performance eventually, and he'll wean himself out. They kept him on the president's yeah, that, team. Yeah, that's the problem. Did yeah. you, that was okay, the Ron, issue. did you have a problem with that? I, I did, because I knew it was going to be a tremendous distraction to the team, and it turned Still out won. it was, well... Thanks to Tiger. Yes, exactly. So Um, what are ramifications? And that's the world we live in. We can throw all the rules we want. It's at the country club level. We have rules. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, that's great. But when you do them, what happens? If you you ask the commissioner of baseball, they just have to live with themselves. Nothing. Mm. (laughs) Here we go (laughs) with the bang and the drum. That's right. Well, there is a larger discussion to be had about cheating in all sports. And if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That old adage in some sports. Well, it's it's crap, Ron, except for the game of golf has always said we're better than that. We aspire to higher. We're a gentleman's game. We're a game of honor you know what dave again there's cheating and there's penalties yes and in basketball when you're holding when you're holding someone down the pain or something like that or in football in the trenches it's a penalty it's not cheating yeah right cheating is you know tying someone's shoelaces together i don't know what to say here but cheating is when cornell has a seven footer who's uh can't read and he's somehow enrolled with a plumbing degree and he's 42 years old that's (laughs) That's cheating. cheating you know what cheating is is fletch when Fletch was biting the arm of the guy in the post player. That is cheating. He said, Fletch, <laughs> look at that defense. Flagrant. So that six said. 6'9 with the afro. 6'9 with the afro. Yeah. That That's said, good. let's go around the horn as to the most egregious examples of attempted cheating you've ever encountered while playing golf, either in a friendly match or in an actual tournament. I'm, I'm telling you straight up, I'm not commenting. 
on wow. on cheaters. Why not? Uh, because there's it there's cheaters amongst us that continue to cheat. I'm not yeah. saying call they them out. Continue to play. Okay. And they should never be allowed to play again. Right, let me start lighthearted. Okay. Uh, one, one year in Pinehurst, Ronnie, you might have been with us or not. There was a guy, Phil Fiorino. I don't want to name names, but <laughs> Phil was a great guy. Sorry, who was a, he was a quasi so, he was a, like a quasi pro softball player. Hit the ball a million miles. Had his hands all taped up because he had so many blisters <laughs> from playing softball, right? And we're on this hole, and he hits. He hit it a long way, and he hit it crooked as the day is long. He hits one way deep into the woods. Goes in there, ends up saying he found it, hits it out on the green. He goes to market. It's a Titleist DT6 Red <laughs> that has been out of print for probably 20 years. And he's like, nope, this was it. You know, it had the half moon of mud baked into it and everything. And we're like, bro, this is just a fun trip to Pinehurst. We're not cheating that bad. Ronnie. Uh, in college, I encountered a, a guy that played for Furman who uh, cheated and describe um, it how uh worming his mark no uh literally moving the ball in the fairway fluff up yeah is a fluff i mean in the rough i mean um Ooh, a rough fluffer even worse you know I, i'm i'm kind of like john here i don't want to go in too much to it because it of all the thousands hundreds of thousands of golf holes i have played with the thousands upon thousands of different people whom I've played with, I can count the number of cheating times I've okay. seen well, on one good. hand. That's so to fair. give it that same w- with me. Okay, it's just the fact is that we've had we've had in at our section level, at the national level, but we've had known caught cheaters, and we've continued to do nothing about Who's it. Who's worse, the cheater on the course or the handicap cheater, aka sandbagger? It's all the same as pro- it's the protecting of the field. Where right. John, what what John Ronis is I think saying sandbagging right now, is worse. It, it is, but John is saying that at the high level, there has been someone and a couple of different people in this section that have been cheaters, and it's been known that they've been cheating. Right. And he's kind of biting his tongue. I know, and he yeah. wishes they weren't still around and okay. receiving accolades and okay. things. Fair Am enough. I correct? Yeah, yeah he hit it on the head. That's yeah. fine. Ghoul, you're a guy that does rules. What yeah, have you seen? I mean, I, I've witnessed you know from from our junior tour to our professional events. Uh, situations where, you know, once again, we get into the, is it infraction or is it cheating? But when I see somebody, I, I, we saw a kid, uh, you know, move his ball from, we were using binoculars because we didn't, we didn't want him to know we were watching him, move his ball, and then he looked around, and then nobody noticed, so he moved it again. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, we've had people, we've had people <laughs> look for a ball. And, I was interfered with. Yeah. We, got, we got a fluffer on, too. Over. All right, we're moving in position. You didn't see that. <laughs> we've, we've had people drop balls when, you know, when they're looking for a ball and drop a ball out of their pocket. And, oh, oh here it is. Oh, yes. So, uh, you know. The old prison cell dirt out the pant leg yes. at recess. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? oh, look, a ball just fell out of here like a slot yeah. machine. Uh, Dufresne. Yeah, yeah, it's the Dufresne. Dufresne. Uh, I think you also have to believe in, in sports. There's integrity, and I believe there's also karma. All right, so I, let's just no wait. Exit. The sandbagging is brutal, though, especially when it gets down to a member guest. You've got people sure. flying Money, in from around Calcutta's, the country. Money, prizes, that is trips. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Okay. It's all cheating. All right, exit question on this. Uh, what kind of year does Patrick Reed have? He's had some great results early on. 
he's a great player. Yeah. He's going to win multiple times. And I don't think it bothers him. You know, mm. Ronas's formula for distractions. I don't think he's distracted by this. I think he's going to play what we would normally expect. You know, one or two wins. You know, contend in a major. I, I don't. I, I think okay. this is Washington. I think it back. might have made him even more linear focused. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Uh, uh. One of the great openings of all time, Eddie Song. I can't not do it. Time to bring Charge back into the fold. He is grizzled and he is exhausted from Whiskey Weekend 2020. Charge, my friend, how are we doing? It's been too long, Zabe, over, what, about two, two and a half months, something like that, two months? But I love it. You yeah. fought your way back in the rotation. You demanded the minutes. You said, I am not going to be left out of this party. Absolutely. So <laughs> so there's only two topics today with you and me, and that is Whiskey Weekend 2020 Recap mm-hmm. and Chernobyl, which I'm not finished with, but I got a good sense of where it's going. Towards yeah. a not so happy ending. <laughs> you may have heard how this one ends. <laughs> it, it starts bad and then gets worse. <laughs> it really does. It really does. And yeah, Zabe, I've missed you. We can't go two months without talking. I made the mistake. Don't do this. You can learn. You can learn from my mistake. I took you know every January I'm in Minnesota, so I always try to take a vacation. Don't go to Wuhan in January. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it took me this long just to get back home. Yeah. You know, at one point early on in the outbreak, there were f- someone at, at uh, Bloomberg News found flights to Wuhan from New York City for like $100 round trip. <laughs> but the key, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was Tokyo to New York, which you're like, wow. And it was like $104 each way. But as you looked at the flight, you had a six hour layover in Over Wuhan. In Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> just think you're thinking like oh man tokyo it's normally a thousand bucks i'm gonna go for uh, uh, what you could what would you do if you had to survive the six hours in the wuhan airport i, I mean it's it's a sea of humanity how are you gonna get away you you can't use the bathroom you can't <laughs> interact with anybody you just i don't know what would you do you'd, you'd take where to you'd wear Here's you wear two layers of clothes and you strip the outer layer off as you're boarding your flight out of Wuhan. You just leave that whole set of clothes there. Yeah, it's sort of sort of like we'll talk about it when we talk about Chernobyl uh, when it comes to the clothes of the uh, workers that were there. Right. You know, first responders to the stupid power plant. But let's get to Whiskey Weekend. How was it for those that don't know? Charge every year dispatches with a band of merry men. Just men to a Uh small cottage cabin. I'm not sure what you call it in the north woods of Minnesota. And you have nothing but whiskey and board games. No phones, no television, no cable, no internet, right? No, no sports. I mean, you, it is, it's isolation. And sometimes we'll do, sometimes we'll vary the, the board games. Sometimes we'll go into video games and there's a pool table and a foosball table, but it's mostly nerdy board games over the weekend. But it is, it is time away from work. It is time away from women. It's time away from the house and the kids and the responsibility. And it's the double elimination 
whiskey taste off that takes three days to conclude zabe so let's oh, see so how many days is it typically what's the footprint you go up thursday come back sunday you got it we go up thursday afternoon come back sunday uh so thursday and friday and saturday are, it, those are drinking days so right wait there. a minute so so you, you guys are all from the minneapolis st paul area right correct yes and you go up to where exactly in Minnesota. This is central Minnesota, Give which me a is town, surrounded bro. by like it's uh, it's Brainerd is the is the name of the town. Oh, and Brainerd, yeah, I know that from Fargo. Yeah, he's uh-huh. from Brainerd with You're the right, giant yes. Paul Bunyan. That's right. statue. It- that was in Fargo. <laughs> yes, your recall, that's amazing. Paul Bunyan Land is right. in, it's our version of like Dollywood. It's the world's lamest amusement park, and that's in Brainerd, Minnesota, surrounded by lakes everywhere. When you get to the upper half of Minnesota, it's all lake. And lakes every place. This is a a glorious, uh, luxurious uh, resort uh, in in central Minnesota that would cost double. It would cost double in the summer, but in the winter in central Minnesota, nobody cares. I mean, who wants to be there then? So it's dirt cheap anyway. And so, it's, uh, wait a minute. You're at a luxury resort. Mm-hmm. How do you not a- turn on the TV? Why turn on the TV? How- to watch it well i'm surrounded by friends and whiskey and games <laughs> i'm not i'm not flipping on cnn i don't no, you know of course is, not but at some point at some point someone's gonna be like hey man i want to watch the gophers no, no turn it off that ain't happening that's wow. we don't yeah we're not doing that how many that's men p- 10 in now, what accommodations a single house with uh five bedrooms that's exactly right. It's a two. It's a two-level luxury cabin in with ten beds, five bedrooms, and you. You just we figured out who snores. All the snores are in one are compartmentalized into whoa, one whoa, place. Whoa, whoa. What do you mean? You figured out who snores? All you motherfuckers snore. <laughs> You're drunk day. on whiskey. <laughs> that there's some truth to that, actually. Right. Yes, <laughs> uh, but some are worse than others. We got the freight. We got a couple of freight train guys that they have oh. to neutralize each other. You know, like the sine waves of their snoring pass <laughs> over each other, like your like your noise canceling headphones, and it just equalizes out. Couple of freight trains battling it out <laughs> yeah, in right. one room together. So, what? How many years have you done this getaway? Uh, twelve. Fantastic. Twelve years. Yeah. So, so really, if you're if you're double elimination testing, everyone brings a whiskey, mm-hmm. and it cannot be a repeat whiskey from the year before. Correct. Going on twelve years, ten men. That's a hundred and twenty different variants of the brown. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Well, and. Y- at some point, the, you run out of them. You don't. That they keep bringing new ones on. I mean, it's just at, you, you. At some you, point, you run out of the good ones. There, I fixed it. Well, even then, I would contend that all we're doing, you just got to dig a little deeper. That's all. And so any you know, little has happened. Any little variant will do. So if you have a Jim Beam something something special batch, that counts as a new whiskey. Yes. Got yes. It. If somebody if somebody has brought regular Jim Beam and you bring the cask strength or the bottled in bond or the you know whatever the single batch, then you you get to bring that. So now what is happening is you know like everybody's favorites that are f- nice enough to follow along on Twitter or whatever. We've already done all the favorites. You know we've done we've done the four roses and we've done you know all the you know all the big ones that most people know and love have already been done. So what I think frustrates some of the people that follow us is you know now it's 
Bib and Tucker and Boondocks and yeah. Rittenhouse and you know ones that people don't know because we've already brought so many. Do guys do some guys bring a real low level swill just to see how far it can go? Yes, I got one guy every year who prides himself in bringing a bottle that costs no more than nineteen dollars. <laughs> That's he will not spend he won't spend twenty bucks oh, on God. a bottle, and I, he won it one year, and his bottles almost always finish in the top half. It's. It, I, is, I'm telling you. Is it a goal it, to win the competition? Hell yes, absolutely. Ah, okay. And it's, there, just, it's just bragging rights. But there's no people, money involved. People care. There's no money. Got people it. care okay. already. I don't need the money. All right. So they what, want to win. Uh, do you have the list of uh, entrants this year? I do. Rattle them off. As a matter of fact. Rattle them so, off. Number 10, the, well, the, the bottom one was a scotch called Talisker Storm, which I had never heard of, and it was awful. And I don't like scotch, and that was it. Number nine was something called 1776. Didn't mean anything to me either. Didn't love it. Number eight was Honor Brand. Honor, H-O-N-O-R, Brand. I had never heard of that either. Then very controversially, number seven is one of my favorite whiskeys, and I was very upset when it got knocked out. And that was the Four Roses single batch. Oh, my. And, and Four Roses is delicious. Yeah. And these, these idiots around me, I can't control nine other guys. They um, <laughs> they voted it all the way down to number seven. Then Savages. Something called Rittenhouse came in sixth. Fifth was Kinahan's. Seven was Bib and Tucker. And this is the Bib and Tucker is emerging as a popular whiskey. And this is the one I brought. It finished fourth. Um, it's and by the way, this year it had to be ninety proof or better, Zabe. So we wanted a little a little high octane this year to just to shake things up. And so Bib and Tucker was like ninety three. I thought it was delicious. They voted it to, into fourth. Number three was something called Boondocks. Okay. I don't know if that means anything to you. Number two was the best known whiskey we had. It's called Weller, and whiskey people love Weller. This sells for a hundred dollars a bottle, and one of our guys works at a liquor store, and he was like, you know, I've been sitting on this thing for a couple of months because you can never get it in stock. It's a twelve-year, twelve-year-old uh, whiskey, and it finished second. And then number one was something called Walcott, which is a total wine brand. And what? none of us knew anything about it. It was a $23 bottle of whiskey and total wine has got like half their wine inventory is their house brand, you know, or brands they own. This is one. It doesn't say total wine anywhere. No, on it, but the only it place looks, you can get it is there. Looks fucking classy to me. This bottle and the color of it looks like a, a bronze gold Wolcott Kentucky straight bourbon. At yes. Total Wine and More, twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, even it was it a was standard seven fifty milliliter bottle. Yeah, a, a, unbelievable, right? A high rye mash bill and plenty of oak aging give this bluegrass gem dry and spicy character. Shy on yeah. the nose, but big and zesty on the palate with a sweet corn tinged with berries. Shut up and give me a mm. drink. I'm tired Doesn't of this description. <laughs> and a touch of apricot, leather, and cinnamon on the finish with a nice, long, spicy kick. So over the course of the week, I post every, when every when the, when the first bottle gets eliminated, I put up a picture on Twitter. Second bottle gets eliminated, I got the two bottles on Twitter. So we do that all the way to the final one, and then we show all ten bottles. And at, so at the very end, I'm, I'm like, here's I tweeted out, here's here's ten through one. Here's all the bottles across. Total wine 
the to- at least the total wines near me, they printed out my tweet and put it up in a special display of Walcott whiskey in the store. That's great. But the fact that you don't have them sponsoring this weekend is a, a damn disgrace. I got to work on that. You're goddamn right. You walk into their store and go, hey, that's nice. You put my tweet up there. Rip. Without my permission. <laughs> now listen here, Total Wine. I know you got the marketing dollars. Shake some free for me and my boys, and things will be cool. Okay. You know, it'd be great if they just bought the bottles. I'd be happy. They just yes! provided. They just yes, provided it's the booze. Trade. I'd be happy. Trade. Yeah. Seriously, that that should be an easy deal right there. Trade for the bottles, and you're out the door. We'll work on that yes. for next year. That's fantastic, and I'm sure a lot of friends want to get in, but it's a limited group. Ten guys. It's a, it's ten, 10 is ten is the maximum, and you gotta have the right guys, right? So you gotta have people that that uh, that can actually do the getting away, and they're not on their phone, they're not on the TV. I mean, people that are gonna get away, and if you don't really, you know, the board gaming is a pretty big part of it, so you gotta be up for that too. What do you do with the phones to keep people off of them? We just discourage it. I mean, we don't hide them. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, put them so away. You're not, just, so you're not like Derek Jeter, who, as legend would have it. Yeah. When you went yeah. to when you went to St. Petersburg, his massive mm-hmm. compound in Florida, he yeah. had this ornate wicker basket at the door and said, "And I'll take your keys, wallet, and cell phone." <laughs> Almost like he was the Chinese authorities, and said, "Now you can relax," because he didn't want nobody taking no pictures inside his house. Do you believe the uh, the old myth? I think it's a myth about the neighborhood key game. Oh, key parties. Key parties. Do you think that was really? I mean, just oh, it was that just a was that just a regular? Did that, do you really think that that was something that has happened in a regular in typical suburbs? I don't mean like some freaking nudist colony or whatever. What's some a typical suburb? I mean, just pick a tie. It doesn't have to be a suburb. It's, it, whatever. Do you think that just regular non, you know, not in a not in a swinger community or whatever that might I, be. I, just regular people, just regular neighbors were doing the key part. I bet it's happening in Baxter, Minnesota right now. And if not in Baxter and <laughs> Barrows, or maybe up in Lorch where those perverts live. I'm just picking towns near Brainerd because I'm on Google like Maps that. right now. <laughs> Charge is chuckling. Nobody else gets it unless you're from Minnesota. <laughs> I heard there was a neighborhood. First of all, it depends on the era, and sure, it exists, but in what actual numbers, who knows? But yeah. I heard there was a neighborhood in the northern Virginia suburbs that if you had a white rock out on your front lawn near a tree, like a decorative rock, okay, that meant you were open Game for on. you were open for business as a <laughs> swinger. <laughs> so did that mean? Okay, so. But that could I'm, be that could be urban legend. That I think it is urban legend. I, I mean, I want all that. I, I'd like to drill down on how that works. I mean, I'm out walking my dog, and I see the white rock by the tree. I'm like, you know what? I could get. I could go for that. I knock on the door, and it's just game on. Is that how that works? I, I mean, don't. I don't know how it works because I've is, never is had the experience. But I'm guessing that the way swingers hook up with a swinger, other swingers, is getting used to re- being rejected nine out of ten times. It must be. And then right? on the 10th time, you get a couple going, hey, yeah, sweet. Caught sweet. us in the right moment. Yeah. I, you know what my worry would be? So I knock on the door and Syphilis, door embarrassment, opens. small penis comparisons. All, all, all of that, too. All those worries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she comes to the door, and she's four bills, and ah! it's... 
it's game on, baby. And she wants it. And now I'm stuck. Now I got to I got to pivot fast. Like, uh, I'm selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> pivot, pivot, <laughs> pivot, pivot. <laughs> All right, let's switch to Chernobyl. You've been bugging me to watch this. And it's not that you're bugging me. I really wanted to watch it right away. I just never got to it. And I've now plowed through three episodes. I'm going to get through one more tonight, and then I'll be finished after that. I'll start by five, saying this. Five, five episodes. You get to what? You get to experience you get to, two right, more. Not have to. Yes. Yeah. Here's the yes. thing. It's incredible. It is compelling. It is terrifying. Mm. And yet it misses in certain regards with me that I find unfortunate because I feel like it just tipped the the net of perfection but couldn't dunk it really all right here's where i think it missed and i think i read a story about this somewhere the accents are a mess they are all over the place and i think i read a story that said the producers realized quickly we got so many actors we need and actresses we can't get all russians so we're going to just throw in the towel and say fine you can have a British accent. We don't care. Why does it? Here's what my feeling is. I get Jared Harris, who's maybe the best actor going in the world right who's now. Who's that? He's the main guy. He's the main. He's oh, the main he's a scientist. Uh, the, the, yes. Yeah. The main. Yeah. The you know the main person outside of the first episode that this thing is centered. Vasily Jackmeoff or whatever his Russian name is. Yeah, and I forgot. I knew it when the show had just aired. I, I had his name memorized, but I don't remember anymore. I, they're all. They're all. It's all British accent. So for me, because it's all British, I don't care. Nobody's doing the the Boris and Natasha, uh, right? Uh, the Boris uh, and Natasha would be a disaster. Okay, and that's that's what I that would have been way way worse. Okay, hold on. Um, one couple things. One is there are some actors in this who have a Russianish accent. I believe the hot chick wife of the firefighter comes off as Russian. I think a couple other guys do as well. Some of the actors seem to be trying to do a Russian, but their their Brit syntax is shining through. I just thought it was all over the place. Now, you're right. If they had gotten actors that could do a good Russian accent, it's fine that Chernobyl is not a problem. We're going to contain the nuclear <laughs> reactors, no problem. It's possible that that Russian sounding English would have fallen flat. It would have not have given the, maybe they tried it. Maybe they tried it and said, yeah, not feeling it. You know, the Russians are very dark and very grim and their language is not a language that is very colorful. You know, it's no, very blunt. No. It's very right. brusque. Right. So yeah. maybe they tried it. Okay. So that's, and again, when I'm nitpicking it, it's because there's very little else that's there to criticize. It's compelling. It's amazing. It's incredibly shot. Mm. The The other thing was huh, Gorbachev. No, they missed on him by a fucking mile. They In terms m- of the look. And yes. The sound? Yes. Yeah. They yeah. said, yeah, that guy's fine. And just put the uh, put the map of Poland in a uh, you know birthmark on his head, and we're done. Yeah, ball yeah. cap. And and they they made Gorbachev a pussy in every meeting, where it's like, okay, do it immediately. There's no depth to Gorbachev as the leader of the Soviet Union. There's no pushback from him. Nothing. It's he was king rubber stamp. Okay, do it then. 
And that maybe that was how it really worked out. Now you ah, probably then not- guess then guess what? Take some liberties. Give me some depth well, to Gorbachev. You have not been listening to the Chernobyl podcast, which is five episodes that that uh, you can listen to after each episode. You can get it's the creator and the host who to drill down on uh, spend a lot of time on the on what is fact and what is what is what are things that he took the liberties with. Yes, they went through so much in the making of Chernobyl to make it accurate. It's unbelievable. Uh, I know the depths that they went through. Oh, I know, and and I know that they had so many people that were involved. That uh, the the woman scientist was a composite character. That's right. Yeah, that's I right. I saw that yeah. in one of the the uh, epilogue little things, and I'm gonna go listen to the podcast and everything else it's so good that said holy shit i am i have always been my whole life very pro nuclear as a power source Mm because when done right it really is an amazing way to create a lot of power and you can contain the waste and we have good ways to do it but man after seeing this i'm like holy fuck why even why even bother with this this is like if one thing goes wrong we're all fucked and no 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 terrifying it it'll 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 change your opinions of of a, of, a, of a lot of things what i have consoled myself with zabe is you can't do it worse than the soviets did it is, you know this is this is nuclear done as wrong as you can do it <laughs> exactly. and the rest of the world doesn't take all the shortcuts and everything they do and you're going to learn a lot more about that as uh, as this goes on about how much of a soviet problem it is now one of the great things about this show that that is that brings you to present day now you know i watched it 8 months ago when it first aired but one of the great things about watching it now is you're seeing much of the same thing happen in China, where nobody – there's the obfuscation of facts. Nobody admits to anything. And one of the great, great things that people I think really don't understand about dictatorships like this, uh, both China and Russia, nobody wants to be the bureaucrat who delivers the bad news. So they lie all the way up the chain, and even the people at the top don't understand understand what, how bad the situation is because nobody wants to be the one who's reporting the bad news. Right. Everybody just wants to cover up the bad news and cover their ass because otherwise you get exiled into a life of hard labor in some yeah. camp somewhere. Oh, yeah. And and you're off in a gulag and that's but that was one of the things that of course plagued china and it, with uh with uh with you know the the virus so. novel coronavirus well yes. true china is you know one of these last places on earth and there's about six or seven of them that are still living in the fucking stone ages with their government now they're they're a manufacturing mm-hmm. titan obviously and I've read a lot of articles in the wake of this coronavirus thing saying, yeah, we need to we need to get a divorce from China. We got to stop relying on them to supply all our shit. And I'm like, yeah. good luck on that. I want my iPhone to not be four thousand dollars, please. <laughs> well, that's the other side of it. But there but this it's a it's a fascinating debate. For example, did you I, I'm only learning now. 90% of our pharmaceuticals yeah. come from China. Yeah. You know, if China ever decides they want to wage war with us, they could kill us off without even without having a standing army. <laughs> you know, they could they could just withhold our pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Where and, would we be? And how do we get to this point? One little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. That's how it gets that way. And uh, getting out of it takes one little bit at a time, but it takes the sustained sort of motivation to go, we're going to get a little less into China today. And a little bit even lesser tomorrow. And we're going to keep doing it for a period of 30 years. Because we didn't start trading with China 
until like the Clinton. early nineties. That's right. It was it was a big Clinton initiative, and I don't necessarily blame him for that initiative. But here's the things. Well, we, we well be... the thought was if we if we trade with them, then money will melt away the dictatorship, and that proved to be wrong. Well, okay, but it, it, what it did do though is it pulled a billion people out of poverty. We've had that is the single biggest yeah, event in the their, history of their humanity people, their to people. raise the poverty level worldwide. Yeah, well, that from worldwide, but across, you know, in China, in China, they had a billion people living living in poverty. Not so to sound part, not to sound crass, but who gives a shit? No, there, there's that. I didn't, um, I didn't know, fucking make those Chinese babies. <laughs> well, they only get I'm to not make the one. Safe. I'm not the one that created their shitty communist society where half the people had to, you know, work in a rice paddy and barely sustain themselves. It sounds very inhumane of me. Yeah, you just said fuck a billion Chinese. I'm sorry. Did I say a billion? You said a billion. Yeah, right? a billion. No, it, it is. It's a billion Chinese. Well, so yeah, they're li- been lifted out of poverty. They now have yep. some nice material things, but they're being ruled by the algorithm. And by surveillance cameras oh, yeah. and drones, it's and it's mm-hmm. like 1984. Correct. It's Fucking it's crazy. it's horrible. It's you know what that government does is it, in many ways is the most authoritarian government in in the world. Oh, yeah. You know they've got and and they've so they've got you know ev- they've got everybody's face in a database. They know everything about you. They monitor yep. everything you do. They record it all. They've got facial recognition on every corner. They're using TikTok, which has become incredibly popular, to get all of our faces around the world oh, yeah. so that it, they've got the database on us too. It's bad. Yeah, luckily I'm changing my face though on a <laughs> on a monthly basis. Just changing like in Step Brothers. Can you change your face cuz it's kind of it's bugging me, man. I just want to punch that <laughs> face. Okay, man, I'll just do whatever. So so uh so when it comes to Chernobyl, I will not ask how it sort of resolved how they finally got their arms around it at least to stop the the bulk of the disaster. And I am yeah. going to listen to the podcast to learn more about the real Chernobyl and what happened. I got, now I'm going to have to dig die dive deep on YouTube and find other documentaries about the real Chernobyl to kind of get a better grasp of it. But uh, the one word that freaks me out is runken. When they talk What's, about how many runken per runkins, hour. Yeah, right. Runkins. Right. And it's like they're like 3.7 runken. Uh, that's not bad. And then it turns yeah, out right. that's, <laughs> that, that's only as high as their <laughs> shitty meters that's went. Right. That's right. And it's actually 15,000 runkins. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God! Hey, <laughs> it's real, unbelievable. Tell me, did the was it real that the first helicopter trying to drop sand in there flew right over the thing and then just disintegrated? Yes, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. I mean, terrifying. They didn't, they it's didn't terrifying, know. but it's awesome it at is. the same time. It is. Hey, pay attention to this while you're watching these final two episodes. The music, the score behind this is unbelievable, and it ended up winning the Academy Award. Um, and it is. It's part of what makes this thing so anxiety ridden as you're watching it. It's so the music is as horrifying as what you're watching because it's it's a layering. It's a very complex quilt of sounds that evoke that sort of terrifying uh, radioactive, you know, radio, whatever the meters are. Right. Yeah. The, Yeah. the The crackling. Like they mix versions of the crackling and other very nerve-wracking sounds underneath the actual musical score, which is brilliant unto itself. So it's really a four- or five-layer thing. I bet if I were to look at the uh, uh, the Audio Pro waveform on a computer of the, of the soundtrack for Chernobyl, 
mm-hmm. it would it would be a fucking screen filled with track 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 and little sound here and little sound there and some dude who is a genius at that shit spent months if not years getting it just the way he wanted yeah and it's it's actually a gal from uh iceland or Czech. and yeah and it is uh it, you know if this is when, when we talk about the soundtrack this is not like this is it is it is scary weird foreign sounds that chill you to the bone and it it's uh yeah it's absolutely fascinating her name is hildur gunnar gunnar daughter i've already forgotten her name but brilliant woman great job my favorite yes. scene so far, and I know I got two full episodes, so I'm going to miss a couple of the great ones. But <laughs> the the naked coal miner scene yes. is fucking brilliant. <laughs> yes, walking around uh, like it's no big deal, buck ass naked, shimmering in sweat, coal or not coal, but dust and shit all over yes. him. And he's like, "What?" True. He's like, "What?" We decided we dig the old school way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And by the way, all true. It's you know there were they the miners really did work naked. And uh, how about this scene? The at the very end of episode two, where the volunteers are heading into the basement, the flooded reactor core basement. Oh yeah, and and the flashlights go out. Yep. Oh god, I know. I had I had to hit uh, play on the next episode. I was tired. I wanted to go to sleep, but I said I'm not leaving it on this cliffhanger. You can't. Right. I'm like, fuck you, producers. Okay, I'm going to watch the first 30 (laughs) minutes of the next one. So, yeah. Uh, Also, I thought the visual of the graves being encased in liquefied concrete was stunning to see the oozing concrete envelop those welded lead caskets. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Yep, still there, by the way. And the people who have turned Chernobyl into a uh, into a tourist attraction, which has happened since the show, um, they go visit that. They go visit that spot. Wow. Mm-hmm. So pay, nuclear power. Are we still yeah. in favor of it or not? Done correctly, we are. I have, I've got a, a friend who's a uh, a Minnesota uh, state representative whose deal is energy. That's his big passion, and we talked about it when Chernobyl was on and. And uh, he, well, he well he supports many kinds of of energy, including many kinds of clean energy. Get a load of this. This is what we were talking about nuclear. He said if if we set up a ten mile by ten mile series of solar panels, and we had sun every single day all year, it would generate as much power as one hour of <laughs> nuclear. I know. Well, <laughs> okay, jeez. Well, that, and that's the thing, you know, nu- nuclear for those who are big on the carbon emissions front, mm-hmm. uh, nuclear is the silver bullet answer, but it goes against it's anathema to the left wing's mindset because they think that nuclear is potentially dirty and where are you going to put the waste and what about mm-hmm. disasters? All okay, all fair concerns church. But it's better if you really are worried about emissions than coal burning. It's oh, way better. A, well, it's not even close. By a million not miles. Close. Yeah, right. 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 It, it's, it has virtually no emissions. And so you just have to figure out what to do with the waste. And then you got to decide whether or not you're willing to, to deal with 
the you know, grappling with the possibility that something goes wrong, which it's not impossible as, as, as we've seen. Yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I, do we know how much it costs to make this five part miniseries? I don't, I don't, but do I'll, think, I'll, yeah. Speaking of get making, well, go ahead, finish on cost. Okay. And I'll take, so I was just going to say whatever it cost, And I hope that it, was a profitable venture for HBO. I, I don't know how they calculate the profit loss margins of individual projects, but this is why, Charge. I'm selective about what I watch on television, the shows I watch and the mm-hmm. documentaries I watch, and I am a proud subscriber to HBO. Anyone who bitches about those 12 bucks a month, I put my middle finger up to their face and I <laughs> fuck you. I say, you don't appreciate The Sopranos and you don't appreciate all these other things HBO does. They do it at a higher level than anybody else, you fucking ingrate. You going you gonna to want to go watch reality TV swill? Sure, it's all over the place. It's free. This stuff here, this shit's quality. It costs money. Fuck yeah. off. Get your wallet. If you want quality programming, you might have to pay for quality programming. You'd think those things those things could go hand in hand, right? Some um, people though don't want to pay for anything. I know. Some people, you know what? I do I I get it all the time in my business, right? It's fantasy whatever. You don't you know you can play fantasy for free. You don't you can get advice for free and some people will no matter what you do, no matter what the product is, they will never pay and you just have to go, you know what? Fine. You know, yeah. I don't you know, yeah, I don't and, even have to deal with you. And truthfully, not everyone's a lot of people don't they can't taste the difference in quality in television. They're just not that selective. It doesn't make them bad people. It mm-hmm. just it's not their thing. Now they may have an appreciation for quality in a different area of life that I would say, eh, you know what? It doesn't make any difference to me. You could probably put me in front of a a, a rack of 10 different suits, men's suits, and as long as none of them are from TJ Maxx, (laughs) as long as they're all $250, as long as they're all $250 and above, okay, let's put that as a demarcation thing, I probably couldn't tell you the difference between any of the 10. I would be all over the map guessing which one was the $4,000 Italian suit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know what? I think I'd be the same way, but there are other people who would glance at it and go, it just spit at you. Yeah. Right. As you're coming out, you're coming out the door they'd, with they'd, your brand new suit. They'd be apoplectic. They'd say, can't you see it? It's right there. It's the third one on the right. What are you a moron? I'd be like, I guess I just don't wear suits and don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Some people are that way with television. I don't watch that much television. Don't care about it. Uh, I've got two more items on Chernobyl, and I'll, we can we can drop Rapid. it if you want to. The yeah. creator is a guy named Craig Mazin, M-A-Z-I-N. Craig's previous work will shock you. Previously, he did he wrote Scary Movie Three, <laughs> Scary Movie Four, and the shitty Hangovers, hang, the Hangover Two and Three. Whoa. He wrote those. Whoa! Whoa. I know. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. (laughs) Yes. First things first. Do not blaspheme Hangover 2 in my presence. Really? You may go to town on Hangover 3, which was a piece of shit. Hangover 2 is a great sequel, maybe better than one, and I will go to my grave arguing that, but that's aside. The other stuff, scary movies, that's that's pretty low-hanging stuff, but maybe it exercises his creative brain, I guess, to try to do different things. 
this and, and actually I like the scary movies. I don't know if you saw scary movie three or four, but they're actually quite funny. I think if you like your spoofy, you know, airplane style humor, they're actually pretty darn good. Um, I thought they were pretty good anyway. You're, you're telling uh, me that Stu's father-in-law comparing him to foe some plain white rice or whatever, whatever it was a very insulting condescending speech was not classic. Um, I never saw Hangover Two and Three because everybody told me not to see it. Okay. Everybody was like, okay, "Except good. you now." Good. Everybody was like, "No, this is, don't go see them. They're terrible." Please see two. Ne- okay. Never see three. Charge. Right. You can never go in that door. <laughs> I'm telling you, never go in three. It will make you hate the whole uh... franchise. You'll hate every character. But I believe you will really like two. I hope you will. Right. I found it very good. But people tend to get on the 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 the, the odd flex of saying ah, two and three were terrible. I liked one, but two uh, two was pretty good. I thought one was right. fantastic. I- one to me, Hangover One was like groundbreaking because nobody was making movies like that. R rated. I don't see what's coming. I don't know many of these characters. Bradley Cooper was still a young up and coming guy, right? Right. Right. Yep. Like, I knew who Zach Galifianakis was, but I hadn't seen him in a real acting thing. I just seen him do some stand up. That had been it. When are we going to get the next major studio release of an R rated or nearly R rated funny ass movie that's great for guys, a la Hangover, a la Wedding Crashers, a la Forty Year Old Virgin? When? Well, do you do you even know what's coming? I mean, nobody knew Hangover was going to be the runaway hit that it was comedies are 20 years ago though. I don't think they're making them anymore. Church. What's the hangover. When was the original hangover? It couldn't have been that long ago. Was it? I don't know. Hangover. Oh, 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 nine. Oh, nine. All right. So we're 11 years in. We're 11 years from that. What happened to the days of airplane and, if you want to go back farther, Kentucky Fried Movie as a as an R rated as a hard R rated comedy. Did hard you ever R. see that? Oh did yeah. Did you ever see Kentucky Fried Movie? Oh fuck yeah, I did. Everywhere. With it was stu- great. The stunt man who walked into a back alley dice game <laughs> and yelled a racial epithet and started running in this white evil Knievel suit. Like, look at me, I'm going to get my ass fucking beat. <laughs> Pretty Samuel funny, right? L. Samuel L. Bronkowitz presents. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Spaceballs. You know, we grew up on that shit. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, you know, the 70s and 80s were like the golden age of these adult comedies. The Mel Brooks films, right? History of the World. You know, those were good, salty comedies that nobody's got the, nobody's got the guts to make that stuff anymore. But you know what? Now, like certain things in Hangover, you probably can't say anymore, even in a movie, such as no. paging Dr. F. Paging Doctor <laughs> F. I mean, uh, not nah, it's you just unfortunately you can't. All right. So, are you familiar with the sports world after having come back from a three week, four days of isolation? Uh, mostly, I've yeah. I've mostly sobered up. Yeah. You ready for this Brady drama? It can't. Ha- if this happens, it's going to be one of the craziest things. What's this in in the in the his in our, in our lifetime? If he were to be, if he, if he were to end up being the quarterback, if for the 49ers and the 49ers ship Jimmy Garoppolo back to the Patriots, 
it's going to be one of the craziest stories you're, in, that you're, we've ever seen in this in the league. Right. You're talking about this story that cropped up just today of a crazy possibility, some say, of a flip. Here, we'll take Garoppolo back. You mm-hmm. have Brady for two more years. Good luck, and thanks a lot. Yes. That, now, that would be incredible. I mean, as I said today on the radio, hashtag content, I'm all here for it. I need it. Oh, pump it into my veins. I yes. want. I want. I want four thousand words. Seth Wickersham, Don Van Atta, ESPN pieces about how it all went wrong with Brady and Belichick. Mm. If he just resigns, I'll be like, oh, oh, yeah, I know, boring. But but Zabie's not gonna. He's not going back. There Why? is. I, I there's less than a one percent chance. I'm, I'm staking. Says me. Charge that's, metrics. That's who. Beep, yes. boop, 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 boop. Charge metrics. If they, if, if they wanted to be together, they'd be together right now. I mean, the, the, one side or both sides are done with this relationship. And it's easy to envision it both ways. You're Bill Belichick. You've been, you've, you've, you're tired of Tom Brady's personal trainer on, on premises all the time, you know, telling people how to get onto TB 12 and infiltrating his, they, his team that he sur- runs. They survived all that and won a Super Bowl church. That's doesn't mean over. they like each other. Doesn't mean they liked it. And it doesn't mean wow. they like each other. Okay. Right. And, and they are both. Yeah, go ahead. They are they are both at the same stages of their career, I believe. Belichick's got a handful of years left. He's in the final 10% of his. So is Brady. They're at the ends, and I think they both are motivated to go prove they can win away from each other. Not they have anything left to prove, but that's one more thing they can do. All right, 30-second last ad. Have you heard that Twitter is considering adding something called fleets? No, what's that? A fleet will be... A tweet that disappears in 24 hours, as in a fleeting thought, almost like a Snapchat or Instagram story. Why? Because they realize that a lot of people put shit on Twitter that made sense in the moment while drunk, and they don't want it up there forever. Every time I do something controversial, people screen grab it so they can throw it back in my face, and in case I delete it, they still have it. I know. So I'll put you down as I don't it's know. just no, a it's a beta you know, tested feature that's not rolled out yet. Fleets. When Snap when Snapchat started and the pictures went away, it was all about sending nudes, right? It was all it was all about boobs and dick. That was the whole bit. And then they'd be gone. Yeah, I don't but, think Twitter's going that way. Yeah. Power button and uh center button. Oop, got your nude. Thank you very got much. Your nude. Mm-hmm. All right, Charge, you're the man, buddy. Great to talk to you again. As always, we'll chat soon. It's been too long. I will see you in person in, you in uh, Vegas. three weeks. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. If we don't talk sooner. All right. Very good. Thanks, Church. Bye, my friend. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Friday version of the Zabecast. We hope you appreciate quality. And for a mere five bucks a month, I know it's half of HBO. It's kind of a ripoff, but still, I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Well, that's like, like it was sung by angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch. Guess what? <laughs> 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 <laughs>